FireRecruitmentAustralia.com. Become a firefighter without wasting years of your life, time, money, and effort on things that won't work. Get the facts and what works. You're listening to the Fire Recruitment Australia podcast with your host, Brent Clayton. So I'm here with Brent Clayton from Fire Recruitment Australia. He's an expert in how to apply for jobs in the fire service. So we're going to have a bit of a chat. This podcast is going to cover two parts to the fire recruitment process. And those two parts are when you go to apply for a job and how you prepare for an interview for that particular position. So Brent, Thanks for joining me again. I guess you're a a guru when it comes to fire recruitment because you've been doing this for like eight years now, which is quite a long time when you think about it. And considering how many changes we've had in society in those eight years with the tech wave and everything becoming so much more efficient because of technology, you kept up with all of this to still be able to offer these services for fire recruitment. So when it comes to applying, Brent, obviously there's certain restrictions and there's certain limitations when it comes to the fire recruitment cycle. It's not like any other job where they take in intakes every two to three weeks. It's like twice a year or even rarer. So uh, tell me, Brent, what do you need to have ready when you're going to apply? So as, as far as having things ready uh, for your application, I, I think like there's your general sort of resume stuff that's a bit of a no-brainer, but the fire service differs in the fact that it is so cutthroat and competitive that what, what I believe you need to have ready is your sort of understanding and knowledge of the process and in particular, depending on what service you're applying for, a real real in-depth understanding of the process for that service and also an understanding of absolutely everything you can get an understanding for of the service. So through, you know, looking all through their website, keeping up to date with that sort of stuff so that you're ready when they're ready. It's not good enough to just hear about the recruitment and then sort of decide that you're going to get up to date with it there and then like you can do this but it it results in a lot of stress and cramming and probably not putting your best foot forward so as far as being ready to apply it's about over time increasing your understanding of the service and the way that they're going to do their recruitment so an example of not having this up to date is like recently in victoria we had a recruitment and you know they were so cutthroat that they advertised that they were going to be open between the you know the 12th and the 16th of February. But what happened was that they shut it down on the day that they opened because they had received enough applications. So if you weren't ready and had all your stuff ready to go on the day, you don't get a go that year. So it's fairly, it's a fairly good example of if you're like, oh, I'll get to it in a couple of days. Well, you've missed the boat for another year. I'm not saying it's right, that's just how they roll. Another example is the latest New South Wales application process. They had a questioning thing on the way through and if you didn't follow the instructions to the T, they'd just kick you to the curb and move on. So there's a lot of people upset just through not understanding the process and paying attention to the details and being ready when the service is ready. So. 
It's interesting that you say that, Brent, because you would think that in an application process that, you know, only happens twice a year, you think that they found a way to mitigate through any kind of blurred lines or open-ended questions or eliminate margin for error, you'd say, because they happen so infrequently. But what do you think the psychology behind applying for these jobs kind of contributes to that? Do you think because it, it happens so rarely and it's so cutthroat that people tend to kind of get too excited and they miss the fine print? Yeah, that can be a thing. And and a lot of people just are not taking it seriously enough because they've got one perspective. They want a job as a firefighter and the service has got another perspective. They're going to try and recruit the best people. So if somebody can't get it, gain an understanding quickly enough and follow some instructions, which might be i.e. reading the fine print, well, they're not going to allow you to move into the next stage. So does that sort of answer that question? It, it does perfectly. And what are some of the ways that people can kind of keep up to date with the services and how they recruit? Like, is there a way that prepares them? Yeah. So the, the best sort of simplest ways I always recommend is firstly, jump on. If you're on one of my free training lists or you've subscribed to any of our channels, we'll keep you up to date. Another way is to make sure you subscribe to their like Twitter and Facebook channel. So like each service has got a Facebook page or a Twitter feed, jump on that because that'll be in real time and, and you won't miss anything that way. So there's a really good tip to make sure you're, you know, up to date and hearing the latest stuff. So make sure you get that done. Brent, in the application process, is there an age limit as to when you can apply? So there's there's no real age limit listed anywhere because they're not allowed to discriminate essentially, but the oldest person I've heard of getting a job is like 47 or something, so that's pretty good. I'm not saying that's that's the a fact, but I'd say up that end of the scale. And as far as limits and stuff go, you, you've basically just got to be an Australian citizen and have the ability to, to get a license and then a truck license in most cases around the country. So, yeah, as far as limits go, that's pretty much it. Well, we've talked about the application process and things to look for when you're applying and what you need and any limitations. Let's talk about preparing for the interviews. What's some of the things that you'd recommend when it comes to preparing? So you, you apply, you get selected for the interview. How would you recommend starting to kind of prepare for the interview? Yeah, well, pretty much there's a few steps in between getting to an interview generally, but if you've done what we've just spoken about as far as getting familiar with the website and the organisation and the recruitment process, you sort of already set up a pretty good foundation. So it's just about furthering your knowledge and understanding sort of the background information of the organisation, understand the job that you're applying to, and this applies to any job that you're applying to. So if you have a really good understanding of the organisation, like in depth, and also a really, really good understanding of the job you're applying for, that's going to help you stand out over the, the guys that have just fallen in love with the idea of it and can't actually prove that they've got an understanding of the organisation and its values and you know its strategic position and all that sort of stuff, as well as a really, really good understanding of the job and what you're going to be doing day to day. So you need to be a, have those things happening sort of for a start, if that makes sense. Some ways of doing that is like getting the position description and having a look at all the skills, you know, case selection criteria, and then sort of 
making sure that your skills and that match up to that same sort of area or that you can actually make them match up. So that's probably the first step, I'd say. And the next step is just the the general stuff. So make sure that you've got your your general out for the day. So when your interview comes up that you you know where it is, how long it's going to take you to get there, you've accounted for traffic, you know what you need to wear, all that sort of stuff. I know it's really simple, but a lot of the time people just forget that, you know, it's that important that you get that stuff done because if you don't get that done, it'll start to unravel really quickly and then all the, all of the good work that you've done, you know, leading up to it gets sort of tossed out the window because you're now under stress. You're, you're already behind the eight ball, as they say. So, yeah, they're the sort of probably the first two things that you need to really understand fundamentally. The third one is understanding the questions that you're most likely to be asked. So with my coaching clients, we've got a library of questions that have been asked over the last sort of eight years or so, and that gives them a really good head start so that they can start preparing their responses for those answers. You know, so if you don't have any idea of what they're going to ask you, it'd be fair to say that you're not going to have your best chance of answering. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Brent, a few things that you touched on there is how preparation is key inside and outside the interview. And and two parts is what you said before when you were planning for the day, you know, make sure you know where it is and where you're going. I remember a few interviews I've done personally uh, that whoever is interviewing you does keep an eye out at what time you sign in because it obviously sets a trend for your punctuality and your reliability factor when it comes to making final decisions. So it could be like you've prepared, you've got excellent answers, you've got an excellent kind of presentation, but if it comes to the crunch between you and another person and that person came five minutes earlier than you, that could be what actually costs you the job, which is really interesting because I've seen that happen actually. Yeah, well, it contributes. It's obviously... You know, it's one of those things that you can have in the bag, so why not? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's an easy thing you can have in the bag too. And and what you were saying also about understanding the questions that you're likely to be asked, preparing responses that, yep. that are honest are also important too. And you've obviously really conveyed that in, in previous podcasts where you were talking about, you know, just be yourself. There's no point lying about something because if that can be caught up, it yep. also questions your, your ethics and your how trustworthy you are. You don't want to put up anything for your integrity yeah. that day, but – I think also, like you said, most interviews kind of involve uh, involve a combination of what you've put on your resume and then how you kind of apply it to your real life skill set is really important because it reminded me of kind of year 12 English where uh, you have like an essay question and you have to twist it to your perspective. It, it's kind of, that's what you kind of have to do with interview preparation, really. Like there's all these questions, you, you've got to apply it to your real life. Yeah, you bring up a really good point there about questions coming from different perspectives because so a lot of the time you'll get asked behavioral questions and you know other types of questions but they're not looking at just your answer on the day if you answer a question and it's non-genuine and there's no continuity in your entire application that's where you're going to get caught out so Yeah, you definitely just want to make sure that your answers are actually genuine and they are yours and that they're well prepared and they've got a bit of personality about them. So that's a certainty as far as preparing for the interview. So, yeah, good point. 
How would you structure your responses, Brent, other than obviously being honest and, and genuine to your perspective? <laughs> All right. So this is, this is a really, really good sort of topic to cover because with the guys I work with, we if they haven't had much sort of interview experience, we start off making sure that they've got a structure to pour their answers into. And this might be the star format or SAO or there's some other sort of structures that you can use depending on the way you learn and the way things sort of click in your head. But it's a really good place to start so that when you are crafting your responses that you don't miss any important components out. So having a structure for your responses while you're preparing for the interview is a really, really important part of the process, particularly if interviews haven't been your strong point. So in saying that, that is just the starting point. So, you know, anybody can look up star or whatever on the internet, but there's a bit more to having a structure and then turning that into an actual really good competitive answer that's going to get you a job. So, yeah, as far as structuring goes, you definitely it's a good starting point so that you don't miss anything out and it's definitely something that we use when we're coaching people to, you know, be competitive in in this industry is quite hard because you've got to be up in the sort of top 5% or better to get a job. So definitely have a structure. Absolutely. And that preparation is, is really a contributing factor that could get you over the line. And I'm thinking of a funny story the other day, Brent. This actually happened to me where I was at a cafe and, and I was just working there from my laptop and there was this girl there who was obviously interviewing for a job and she had a buddy who, who was asking her questions and she was practicing her answers. And I'm like, God, this girl, I, I just want to give her a job. I don't have anything to give her. But her answers were so on point and she just was so confident because she had this buddy kind of watching her and coaching her and saying, well, maybe you should say this. So it, it really actually is a good idea to practice your responses with someone else and not just in your head. Definitely. Well, that that's the sort of, you know, we talked about structure just before. You obviously, you need to have a structure so you've got somewhere to start and it rejogs your memory and you don't miss any of the, the points. Then you've got to sort of practice it enough that you're so familiar with it that you can give your story back some of its actual life. You can structure and write out and do whatever you want with your responses, but if you do not practice them, you will not improve. And when we talk about practice, it's not just in your head because I'm sure everybody's walked around and ran something over in their head how it's going to come out and then it's come out completely differently or wrong and it's been at a detriment to whatever they're trying to achieve. Preparing for the interview is it's no different. So your acquaintance in the cafe was certainly <laughs> on the right track there. No, she did a great hope she got the job. I'll have to go back to the cafe and kind of eavesdrop <laughs> again to get an answer. But another thing too, Brent, is after the I guess how do you kind of get some feedback other than the buddy that you'll have to bounce off, you know, questions or ideas of Yeah. Just on, on the sort of practice and, you know, improving your responses and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's really good to practice with friends and, you know, even by yourself just out loud and all that sort of stuff. But when you are practicing with friends and stuff like that, you're in a comfortable environment, which is going to be different to the environment you're going to be in in, in the interview scenario unless you're really comfortable in that. So what I suggest is if you can get yourself comfortable with being uncomfortable and sort of practice with, you know, someone you might not know or someone that's in a position that you don't know or yeah, a coach or something like that where you're not in your normal environment, that's going to get you closer to where you need to be. So 
The other thing about practicing with friends, it's great as far as learning to speak and get it out, but you need to get some qualified feedback. What I mean by this is get some feedback from somebody that actually knows where the goalposts are because if you you can get feedback, people are more than happy to offer you feedback all the time, but if it's misguided, it can do more damage than good. And this can even come from people in the fire service because they, they might give you some feedback, but they may not have seen the recruitment process or what they're after for 20 years. Do you know what I mean? So get, getting qualified feedback is the only way to really turn up your results as far as getting your responses better. So it's great to get feedback, but just make sure it's off somebody that actually knows. So somebody in the industry like, HR or an interview coach or, you know, a, a fiery that's just done it recently. But that feedback needs to be qualified so that it's improvement in the right direction. So, yeah. Great, Brent. And I guess one question that gets asked in almost every interview and it's been definitely asked in interviews I've had is where the interviewer asks you, do you have any questions? Now, sometimes some people nonchalantly say no and they walk away. But for me, I find this is the area to really take it home. Like you can really cement your spotting because if you ask questions, you can actually indicate to the interviewer that one, you're interested about the company and the job. And secondly, psychologically, like a bit of an ego massage because they're like, oh, they're excited about what we're doing. Therefore, I'm really excited to hire them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I really like this one because it's it's a good one and people get a bit confused about it, I think. And the fact is if you, if you don't have a genuine question and you don't have anything to say, you don't have to. Like I think if, if you couldn't come up with a genuine question, there's no point asking it. So the next sort of component of that is don't ask them a question that you can get an answer to yourself by doing a little bit of work as far as do you have any questions make sure if you do that it's a genuine question that only sort of they can answer in in that environment otherwise just use the opportunity to to wrap it up and thank them for their time and the opportunity for getting to know you better and something like that so this is probably the last opportunity you're going to have to leave a good impression and, you know, further yourself over the other applicants. So I'd say use it, but make sure you use it wisely to wrap it up. So, yeah, that's that's my perspective on the uh, wrap-up, do you have any questions thing. So. so in other words, it's kind of true to what you've been saying all along during the podcast is be authentic. And if you have a question, great. If not, just, you know, be grateful for the interview and, you know, just be really authentic in that experience and that moment. Definitely, because if you're authentic and grateful and can convey that in a, you know, a smart way, they're going to like that as opposed to going, no, I don't have any questions and rolling out, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if the next guy after you sort of wraps it up really nicely and thanks him for the opportunity, et cetera, and you'll level at that point, well, yeah, see you next year sort of thing. So, Well, Brent, what would you say are some t- key takeaways to the kind of this two-part podcast of applying for a position and preparing for the interview of that position, should you get an interview for that position? What would you say are some key takeaways? Cool. So 
I reckon to to wrap it up and give some takeaways. So the general preparation and understanding of the the service, its website, its the recruitment process, the understanding of the job, and the service as a whole is a, a really good starting point. The next sort of key takeaway is understand the questions that you're most likely to be asked, so that you can then prepare for them instead of preparing for questions that you're definitely not going to get asked. The third one is have a structure to pour your responses into so that you've got somewhere to start so that you don't miss any important things. The fourth one is own your responses and be authentic so that, you know, you've got something genuine and it could even be interesting that might they might remember and that's going to make you shine above the rest of your competition. The fifth one is to make sure that you practice, practice out loud, practice in uncomfortable situations and practice, practice, practice pretty much. And the last one is to get feedback and not just feedback off anyone, qualified feedback so that you're actually um, increasing, you know, the value of your responses and getting your absolute best opportunity of showing them the best version of you and getting a job so they're the keys that i believe are gonna get you a job in the fire service in this day and age and brent when it comes to fire recruitment australia.com what kind of toolkits do you offer on there to kind of help or guide through this process one of the things we've got at the moment is a free interview decoder so you can go and download that and it sort of steps you through the process and pretty much what we've covered today if you require some more help, I've also got the membership area where you can get my full course on the interview as well as everything else that we've got and coaching with me and our interview coaches. So just simplified it and made sure that there's something of real value for free in there. And if you want the extra help from me and my team, that that's also available for you at firerecruitmentaustralia.com. Fantastic. So to get all the facts, make sure you check out firerecruitmentaustralia.com and head over there for the toolkits and also the guides to help you through applying for an interview and also planning for the interview. Brent Clayton, thank you so much for your time. Thanks again, Jenny. You're a legend. You're listening to the Fire Recruitment Australia podcast with Brent Clayton. Visit firerecruitmentaustralia.com.